Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lap 32, he had a BBW issue. Now, um, who would like to explain what that is? I know what it stands for. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you hear the commentators going, oh, that is a... (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, that's what that is then. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was something else, personally. Um, Who wants to explain what a BBW issue is? I'll take it as I'm the mature one here. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We are here today to review the Styrian Grand Prix. It could be a quick show, um, not a lot happened, but with me to discuss this uh, Grand Prix is Callum. How are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. We have Emma, you're back in town. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, how are you, Ollie? I'm all right, thank you for asking. And we have Michael. What's going on, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Living the dream. How are you? I'm all right. Um, you had to you had to uh, rush home, didn't you, to uh, attend this podcast? No, I stuck to every speed limit. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we may have to play some audio. In fact, let's find it. Hold on. Oh, no. I didn't plan to do this, but I think we've got to. I'm not going to play the last video you sent just because of... Um, I yeah, no, don't, to... don't, don't do that one. No, I, I'm just going to play the first one that started off a little was... bit of banter. Yeah, well, I was just trying to get the traffic out of the way, as Cal suggested, and it didn't work. Well, to be honest, I'm surprised it didn't work because it's worked for me many a time. So, um, as the listeners will find out, it's actually a really good way to get yourself through traffic on the motorway. So, so I Michael, disapprove. You were on uh, the M25, weren't you? I was. I was queuing to get over the Dartford Bridge. I wound down my window. Oh my 
my God. It's not working. <laughs> so then, Callum, I don't know where you were, but you got inspired, didn't you? <laughs> well, I felt a bit left out and I wanted to show Michael how it's actually done. I we could have like just Michael. pushed the recording back at, you know, 20 minutes or so, but instead we had the... Uh... Yeah. And wait for it. <laughs> Turns the corner. <laughs> so uh, this is what we do to bring you the goodness of F1. So um, I'm glad you're here, guys. Thank you. But we are here. That's probably more interesting than what we're here to talk about today. But we're here to talk about the Styrian Grand Prix. Um, there was a bit of drama leading up to it. Mercedes being beaten in France. Everyone sort of knew that uh, Red Bull were going to dominate. Um, and, well, qualifying. Um, Cal, do you want to talk to me a little bit about qualifying before we get into the race? I can do. Yeah, I mean, obviously we saw Verstappen on pole, which was to be expected. Um, yeah, Red, Red Bull were just dominant. There was, there was no way that Max wasn't going to be on pole. I think he had a lot left to give when it was Q1, Q2 and all the FPs. Um, I think he gave Mercedes a little bit of false hope. Um, I think Hamilton threw in a couple of good laps and then, yeah, he, he just pulled it out of the bag, didn't he, and just dominated. And we had, um, we had Bottas with a grid penalty. Now, um, Obviously, Dan, the Bottas fan, is not on this show, but he was not agreeing with um, that penalty. Michael, what did you think of that penalty that uh, Bottas got for... Well, I'll let, I'll let you explain what he got. Uh, well, he spanned in the pit lane, didn't he? But I just... I don't agree with it. I think, you know, it was... <laughs> Callum's making the weirdest face ever. But no, oh. I don't... Yeah, I, I don't agree with it. I think that... It was a spin. It's happened a good few times. I remember when Coulthard spun coming out of the pits uh, in Brazil years and years ago, um, and that had some massive implications, and, and nothing happened then. I know things have moved on since then, but um, it was slow speed. He pulled away in second gear. They were trying to lay down some rubber. I don't think it needed to be a penalty. You know, he was out of the way in time. He didn't really cause any harm. But. Uh, Emma, you're, you're a McLaren fan. Um Obviously, Bottas spun outside of the McLaren garage. Um, what do you What do you take on it? I think the penalty was a little bit harsh, actually. And I'm saying that I'm not. I'm not a fan of Bottas. Dan knows this. I'm not a fan of Bottas. I like ripping <laughs> it out of Dan because he's a Bottas fan. But I, think we I, all do. I do. Yeah, I, I I think it was just quite harsh because you know, as as Michael said, it was at slow speed. Yes, it was in the pit lane, um, but. He didn't. It, it it didn't sort of have any sort of consequences to anyone else. It was just it was just a silly mistake, I think. And to, for him to be penalised, I think it was a bit harsh. I think the penalty was absolutely justified, um, purely because from a safety point of view, you can't go on. Well, it didn't happen. It could have happened, and it you know he wasn't that far from McLaren's uh, engineers, was he? So I think from a health and safety point of view. You had to give them a grid penalty there. Or maybe not even a grid penalty, actually. I think that the actual grid penalty was a bit harsh, but definitely I think a fine should have been imposed. There was definitely punishment needed for what happened, 100%. Okay, yeah, that I could get on board with. I could definitely say a team fine, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I agree that. with that. Yeah. 
The only thing I'd say to that is the team finds when it's the team's fault, right? But the team didn't spin the car. Good point. That, that, is, that is a very good point. It, and that maybe that's what the FIA looked at and thought, well, it's unfair on the team because they didn't spin the car and Bottas did. So good penalty it is. Maybe that's how they came to it. I think the punishment was... Some people will see it as harsh and I can understand why. But I think when it comes to health and safety, especially after Grosjean last year, you, you can't mess about with that sort of thing. I think you've got to hit it straight on the head and just say no. No more. Mm. I, I'm going to say it was it was it was fair from my point of view. It's not something you see very often, like Michael just said. The last time was the Coulthard in God knows when, um, and it is a driver error. It, you know, you're you're clearly not doing what you normally do, and it wasn't even raining. So um, that's my view on that. We had a good starting grid. So um, it was Verstappen P1. We had Lewis uh, on P2 with Norris starting on P3 due to um, obviously the grid penalty we've just mentioned and Perez uh, on the second row of the grid, followed by Bottas and Gasly. Um, another good qualifier from Gasly, wasn't it, guys? Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. gangster he's turning out to be. Yeah, so fortunately the race didn't go as well, but we'll, 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 well. we'll get there, won't we? <laughs> yes. Um, looking down the order, Ricardo in 13th. What is going on? Um, Emma, shed some light on this. You wrote a good article yesterday. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, he, to be honest, I think he is still struggling to find his feet with that car. And I don't know how much longer the fans are going to give him, to be quite honest, to find his feet. He has made some improvements. The French Grand Prix was good. I just think he really struggles in qualifying. I really think he does. But once he starts a race, I mean, you've got to look at the first lap of the race, how many cars he managed to overtake in the first lap. And he was running up in, uh, you know, as far up as eighth. So he's, he's able to make those first lap overtakes. But I just think in qualifying, he's still struggling with the car. Yeah, I agree yeah. completely. I think that that car has a real finesse to it yeah no I, I couldn't agree more with Emma I think he's got the race pace down but I think the qualifying pace just isn't there for him yet I don't think he's he's confident enough to really drive that car in anger properly um, but you know he is the last of the late breakers as Martin Brundle always says so I think in races that helps him a little bit anyway It'll be interesting to see what he does this coming weekend. Now he's had one race at that circuit. Um, obviously, whatever setup issues he had during qualifying, hopefully they've ironed that out. Um, just looking again through the uh, qualifying order, Russell P10. I mean, should we should we have a little round of applause for the guy here? <laughs> Cal's not joining in, so I'm gonna gonna throw it to you, Cal. Why not? Um, I'll be honest. You all froze, and then I just. It came back to a round of applause. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's it for? So the round of applause was for Russell in P10. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well done, George. Better late than never. What a result for him, finally. I mean, he, he is called Mr. Saturday. Um, he nearly got into... Well, he did get into Q3, sorry. No, he didn't. He nearly got into Q3. Bottas, help me. He was, pr he was promoted to P10. Um, Sonoda through this Sonoda penalty. penalty yep yeah so he didn't make it to Q3 but he was only what eight thousandths of a second off yeah um, it's basically there isn't it so in a Williams well done, George well done yeah in a Williams of all cars so Sonoda was in 11th what was the penalty he got then guys it was blocking uh, blocking Dan Dan the Bottas is a uh, man wasn't it <laughs> see this one I thought was particularly harsh. 
Um, not because it was Bottas being blocked, um, as Dan will probably assume, but it was actually because where is he supposed to go in turn four, really? Because people take so many different lines into turn four. He's, he's trying to get out of the way and he's thinking, well, straight on is surely the best option and go as wide as possible, which is what he tried to do. Just because Bottas is steaming up behind him, you know, he didn't even try and take the inside line until the very last second, I think. He was a bit harsh on Sonoda there. I, I completely agree. I think that the penalty given to Sonoda was was quite harsh. Um, I agree with Calum. He didn't really have anywhere else to go. So, yeah, I just thought thought it was a bit harsh. If we look at the Ferrari, so they had a pretty miserable time out in uh, France last week. Um, we had the Class Seventh with uh, Sainz in twelfth. That's that's fairly different. Why why was Sainz so far down the order? And um, it's pretty impressive what he did the next day, right? Yeah, no, Sainz had a really impressive race. Leclerc had a really impressive qualifying. It's as if they um, swapped cars. Know, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Ferrari's blowing really hot and cold at the minute. And I really can't put my finger on where it's at. And I think with McLaren, all right, Lando's the consistent one. If Ricardo can suddenly get some points going, I think they're really going to run away from Ferrari in the championship. Definitely. As Callum said, they're a bit hot and cold. I just think there's certain tracks that suit the car and there's certain tracks that don't. And um, again, it's the qualifying pace of signs but then in the race he's, he's, his pace is so much better so yeah it's a bit it's a bit hit and miss with Ferrari's results at the moment I just want to touch on the, the qualifying thing that Emma's just said the pennies just dropped for me um, signs Vettel and Ricardo are all in new cars this year they're all being out qualified by their teammates but they're all very very good drivers in their own right but they're being out qualified by a long way I think that the sort of settling in period for drivers this year has just seemed to have been quite a while for some reason. Um, Unless you yeah. name Sergio Perez, though, right? Well, yeah, you know, he's the Pirelli master. He's like a Jedi, isn't he, with those tyres? He's ridiculous. But it has taken yeah. per- it has taken Perez a little while, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, the I, first I couple f- of races for Perez was a bit mm. was a bit kind of shady, and I'm just thinking, oh my god, like. Is he actually going to be a contender for Verstappen? And it turns out that he's he's a great teammate. Fun fact: I saw this before on Facebook. This won't spoil the race at all. But Perez, including the Styrian Grand Prix, has actually amassed fifty-two points in the last three races, which is more than the two Mercedes drivers combined. Facebook Which, source of truth amazing. always must trust what's on Facebook. Um, no, that is a legit fact. That over the last three races, he's outscored both Mercedes drivers. He's he's now well within that car. That is a yeah. decent result for Perez. It seems like he has tamed the raging bull, doesn't it? Okay, right. We're going to take a short pause, and then we're going to talk about the race. So it's time to talk about the race. Um, we were really looking forward to this race. Cal, this is, you've said it before on this podcast, mate, this is your favourite track of the year. Am I right? You'd be correct, yeah. I even really? said it yesterday. Yeah, no, it is my fav- one of my favourites. It's a close second behind Interlagos. Okay, tell me why. Why? Um, one, in qualifying, I feel like it's always spicy because it's such a short circuit and the lap times always seem so much faster because it is so short. 
Um, and I love the flow of the last few corners. The last few corners are just electric. And it's like, it doesn't look like it should be, but it is. It's amazing. So, yeah, that's why. And is it still your favourite track now after that weekend? Yes, it's up there. I mean, all right, yesterday was probably the dreariest race I've watched all season. But having said that, next weekend will be different because there's Pirelli are giving out the softer tyres, meaning it's probably going to be a two-stop for everybody. So that will just immediately spice things up anyway. And I think, yeah, it, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be good next week. So this actually got me thinking, I'm going a little bit off topic here, guys, but help me understand, we've had some really, really good races at the Red Bull Ring over the years, and not necessarily caused by rain, but just good battles. What is it about F1 where you can have a weekend like we're about to talk about, and then you can have an absolute showdown of a race um emma for you what what is it that that just puts that spice onto a grand prix that means actually the circuit can provide the best race ever and it can provide you know a bit of a boring one well there are some racetracks that provide consistently boring races uh paul ricard Sochi, but there are a lot of races where there's if you put lots of variables in the mix it can like year on year be completely different so, for example, it could be down to like even a five degree temperature swing could completely change tire degradation. You know, things like that. There's little, little things. I think the aerodynamic changes made to the cars, even though they've been quite small this year, I've had quite a big, made quite a big difference to certain teams um, in regards to certain tracks that they race at. We've seen it with Aston Martin, we've seen it with Mercedes, especially. Um, but I, they're the, the same car. But, you know, Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but I do think there's there's lots of different variables that you just throw them all together, you know, a slight temperature change with the tires, and it can completely turn the race on its head. Okay, no, I, I think I think that's a good one. But okay, a lot of people, including myself, thought this race was really boring. But when you go back through and look at some of the things that happened, it wasn't quite as boring as we thought it was. So who wants to talk me through the uh, the start between Lewis and Max? Actually, do you know what, Cal? I'm going to give it to you as a Max Verstappen fan. Oh, thanks, mate. Um, the start, they both got a pretty even start off the line, to be fair, but Max just managed to get over on the inside line into turn one, all the way up to turn three. He just, he just left him for dust, really. And then, to be honest with you, that was pretty much the race. Um, they didn't really come much closer than that. Um, in fact, I think, genuinely, I think the, the closest they were was, was on the starting grid. So that was their start and finish at the same time. So, you know. I've got, I've got to be honest, we've seen some great starts this year and, and battles between Lewis and Max um, going into sort of turn one, two, turn two, three. I've got to give it to Max Verstappen. When you replay that start, it was a masterclass of defence, putting your car in the right place. There was literally nothing that Lewis could do. Um, and as you've said, Cal, that was the, the start, middle and end in terms of those two. Um, so behind Verstappen and Hamilton, which we know was... Uh, you know, there wasn't much going on there. It was just as was. And um, we had Norris and Perez. Uh, Michael, it was a bit spicy, wasn't it, over the first lap? Certainly was. I'm a massive Norris fan anyway. Um, and to see him swap with Perez three times over the first lap, I think it's great to see that that wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing while the front's kind of just drifting away. 
Um, it is still great to see that that close wheel racing, especially swapping three times. And really, let's be honest, the McLaren shouldn't have been fighting the Red Bull. But was Norris just doing that for shits and giggles? Because he could? No, I think he should have been fighting. I think the guy deserves to hold his own. I think that he's he's definitely put his stamp in that team. And uh, I think he, he definitely deserves that fight. Emma, what do you make of them two having a scrap? It was really exciting, actually. Probably one of the most exciting things of the race. But the McLaren's got great straight line speed. So Norris knows exactly what to do with that car. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a great battle. Yeah, it was. Cal? Oh, yeah. Uh, Lando has every right to battle whoever he wants at the moment, the form he's in. And, and I don't think he should care what car they're in either. I think he should just go for it. If he can get past them, if he can keep them behind, do it, mate. Why not? And, and let's not forget, right, they, 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 they had a good battle. They passed each other three times, like you said. Norris held that until lap 11, right, against a Red Bull. That's absolutely incredible. Um, do you think Perez was just taking it easy, waiting for the moment, or was Norris holding his own? Uh, any of you take that one? I don't know. I was a bit disappointed the way that that went down in the end. Um, I didn't. Uh, I thought that he deserved to fight, and he, he let him go. So, yeah, I wanted to see more of a fight on that. Cal? Yeah, I think the McLaren strategy... I think they called it wrong. They they tried to sort of say that by defending, you're going to waste more of your tyres and all that sort of thing. If you can hold Perez up, who was holding Bottas up, there's more chance of a podium. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're all going to have to pit at the same time as you because they're wasting tyres just as much as they are trying to get past and being in the dirty air. So for me, McLaren called it a little bit wrong. If anything, they just let Bottas and Perez catch up the podium places. And why? Why? Emma, do you think if it was Verstappen behind Norris, it would have taken 11 laps to uh, to get past? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> was that a rhetorical question that I just asked? No. <laughs> no, I think what Norris said after the race was that he, he, he knew he wasn't fighting the Mercedes or the Red Bull, but I think McLaren have got to start believing that they actually can fight Mercedes and Red Bull, especially where, the, you know, the form that Mercedes have right now. McLaren have got a Mercedes engine. They are more than capable of fighting the Mercedes. So I think they've just got to believe in themselves a bit more. I agree with that. Cal, what do you think? Yeah, Zach Brown actually said before the race um, that they were targeting a podium for the day. They, they were hoping for a podium. They felt like they had the pace to go for it. So what changed in the first 10 laps, I don't know. But... It looked to me like they had the pace. It looked to me like they could have done it. So why not? Michael? Do you not feel that that's inherent with McLaren's DNA, though? Do you not feel that they are a bit holding back? They, they, they're they never allowed to really be let off the leash, are they? I mean, Norris has grown up in that team. He knows the car very well. But do you not feel that the team inherently hold back? I think I think they're trying to be realistic, and um, we will get to where he finished when we talk about where he finished. But in the in the post race interviews, um, Norris was saying there was an expectation because of last year that he's going to finish in the podium, and he said realistically, anyone who thought that was 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 you know off off their head basically. But 
were they? Because we've seen what he did last year, and we've seen what he what he was capable of doing defending against Perez. Um, Cal, do you think he, he could have got that podium? Um, the form Perez is in, probably not. It probably would have been a bit of a dogfight, and I think Perez would have just got him due to Perez's tyre management. But Michael, when you're saying that you know McLaren naturally hold back, look back to the race last year in Austria. They didn't hold back there. They were full scenario seven, overtake, scenario eight, Last press the intake. Like they were literally like pushing him as hard as they could, if anything. So I think when they can, they do. Um realistically though, like you say, I then I think the start of the race wasn't the end of the race. If that was the last ten laps, it, it might have been a different ten laps. Okay, so that so that that's uh that's Lando Perez. Um we're still on the first lap, guys. There was chaos from what was our driver of the day now i've got to be honest with you guys here um if you disagree with me put your hand up and tell me and i, I want to hear why but leclerc shouldn't be driver of the day he caused havoc multiple times during this race so um gal do you want to just talk us through what he did to uh Gazzi on the first lap well he, he might have clipped his wheel a little bit with his wing and caused the puncture, eventually suspension issues, and then Gasly in turn wrote off four of the cars. That's not the bigger picture. <laughs> no, that's not a bigger picture at all, is no, it? Clearly, clearly. Driver of the that. day. Driver of the day, yeah. 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 Gloss yeah. over that. Leclerc had, to be fair, that was an unfortunate start, and it was Gasly who had to pay the price. But after that, he recovered really well. Yeah, but it was his um, mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake, It was, right? yeah. it was, but, you know, you've got to take what you can get and while he's still in the race, he's got to go for it, and he did. He actually had a two-stop race and still finished seventh. So I, I you've would, got to give it to the guy. I, I'm in two minds on this because I think the fans voted for him because of what happened in the beginning and then obviously his comeback. But... Who else would they have voted for? I mean, everyone else had a pretty standard race. Verstappen led from lights to flag and Hamilton was behind. You know, it was just a very, it was quite a boring race. And I think what happened with Leclerc and that was what the fans wanted to see. So, yeah. I think that's... yeah he's the only one that did anything. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, he is the only one who did anything. But, you, you know, Verstappen did leave from start to finish against Lewis Hamilton. And he was absolutely flawless. Absolutely flawless. You couldn't fault anything he did. Um, so, yeah, it, it, maybe not driver of the day on, a, on an excitement level, but driver of the day in terms of actual driving and skill and the way he's managed his race and the way he pulled away at the end, you can't fault him. And a, actual driver of the day for me, we'll get onto that later, but I think you know who now. But you know what I'm saying, that, the vote went for Leclerc because of the excitement level and actual fans watching it at home on telly, mm. I think. But it wasn't the only touch that Leclerc had by making a mistake. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, let's talk about Ricardo. So uh, this was uh, lap 18. So Ricardo, he obviously started, as we have as we said earlier, on P13. Uh, lap 18, he he had a bit of a disaster. Emma, it's over to you because you're the, you're the Ricardo fan. So let, let, you defend him here. Well, he had uh, a temporary loss of power, um, which then he just started literally waving cars by because I think at that point he thought the race was over for him. But in the car, the team were able to help him fix it. 
he was just never be able like he just never recovered from that at all I just think that you know going forward after fixing the issue he was just never able to get to get that pace back um so it, it, I mean it wasn't a terminal issue that he had it didn't affect Norris's car they, they, they think it might have been down to a, a temperature issue that might have affected it um, but yeah, really unlucky race for him again. And it's so frustrating being a big Danny Rick fan and, and not seeing him get the results he deserves. It does always frustrate me in F1 where you get a loss of power or a temporary issue. Because, you know, in the real world, if you're driving along and something goes bang, you don't just press D shift for Z and, and then switch a few things and carry on driving down the motorway. It's you pull over and you call the AA, right? Why is it in F1 that you can, you know, something can go that wrong and then you could just reset it? It almost ruins uh, a bit of the spectacle. What what do you think, Cal? Uh, I agree with you completely. The The spectacle is ruined by the fact that the drivers have the ability to sort their own cars out via the steering wheel. Um, there's, there's too much computer-based sort of technology in the car that can either go wrong or help them out. And I think if it strips that back a little bit, then it becomes more raw. And if you break down, you break down. That's the it's, it's all it's computers, as you just said, right? Yeah. But if you go back to look at look at the nineties, for example, there was much much less technology, and there there was virtually no reliability with engines or tires or anything like that. So. It's just a different, completely different era now of Formula One. Reli- reliability issues are always going to be there, but it's just a completely different era where it's actually the computer technology that, that can let the cars down. I think I think it's a fair point. Reliability has always been part of F1. It's always going to be um, unlucky Danny Rick this time. If we look back, especially in Austria, it used to be Max that always had reliability issues, didn't it? So this does plague people throughout their careers. And... Um, as we said, he pulled it back up and actually he finished in the same position that he started. So um, not the worst day ever for Ricardo, considering he could have had a DNF. Um, the other reliability issue we had was P10 man, George Russell. Um, oh, this was a bit painful. Uh, Michael, can you just talk us through what happened, mate? Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, go to plan B for reliability um, issues. Uh, and he started to drop back. And eventually, you ended up seeing him later in the race um, pull into the pits. And it actually turned out to be a coolant and hydraulic issue. During the pit stop, you actually saw them trying to top it up, which I've never seen before. I've never seen anyone run out with an over-the-shoulder kind of gas canister, whack it into the side of the car and try to you know, get the pressure back up. It's, um, it's a bit yeah, like what really I was just saying with the AA, right? You pull over and you get yeah. some coolant. <laughs> um, yeah, gutted. So George Russell obviously retired uh, retired from the race for that. Was his, was that his first chance for points, do we think, guys? Was that He's had so many chances now, um, or close calls, shall we say, to get points. Would he have, would he have got them this weekend? Do you think he had it in him? Cal? Yeah. Unfortunately, to say so, yeah. I think he, he he was keeping up with Alonso. Alonso at one point was in seventh and he, he had this big train behind him. Russell was directly behind him. Um, and I just believe that he was actually quicker than Alonso and he just didn't have the enough pace to get past. But if Alonso went into the pits, Russell would have been in clear air and he would have been a lot faster. If reliability hadn't let him down, I think we would have seen Russell in the points, which is quite sad. 
Okay. Um, as we go through the race, lap 26, we had an unusual um, error from Sir, where he, dare I say, he, he, he drifted round. It looked cool as hell. Um, it, it, he should have got drive for the day for that. Anyone want to argue no. with me? Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> it looked cool. It looked cool. Really? He dipped the he dipped his rear tire in at the gravel and it just yeah. That's why that's why it looked cool, you know. He just yeah, he just Hamilton drifted. under pressure. No, he wasn't under it, any it, pressure. It's just, you know, I've I've seen it with Vettel when he was driving for Red Bull and the minute he started getting under pressure when he knew that he was too far behind or he knew he had someone coming straight up behind him that was going to overtake him, he started to make mistakes and I'm starting to see that with Lewis. Yeah, but Vettel spun, Hamilton drifted. Cal, what do you what do you think? It was it, it wasn't a drift. <laughs> he dipped the rear tire into the gravel. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Cal. Uh I've got to say it was a good save. It was a good save. Yeah, that's good drift, mate. Yeah. Um like I say um, I, I agree with Emma in the sense that I think... Um, yeah, I do as well. Lewis is getting into his own head a little bit, trying to figure out how to catch up with Max, how to get past Max, how to beat Max. He's always just Max, Max, Max. And he's getting into his own head a little bit too much, and I think the mistakes are creeping in. Um, very slight ones, not, nothing too major, nothing that's race costly or, or anything like that, but I think eventually we will see a spin in the gravel and race over. Sort of like we saw at Imola earlier on in the season, just to bring that back up for you. Hmm. What great reversing. Uh, Michael, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I can't defend him, can I? No, he made, he cocked up. Fine. He did, and it was, as Cal said, it was a good catch. <clears throat> but what I will say is that, actually, I've not seen him... Sorry, my voice has gone... <clears throat> Nino, Nino, Nino. Mate, that is staying in the intro, that. <sighs> what I will say, however, is that we've not seen him this happy in press conferences for a long time post-race, saying how much he's enjoyed the racing and how sportsmanly, how sportsmanly, how sportsmanshiply, whatever, he's been towards Max after the race as well. I think that's been brilliant. Uh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm a Lewis fan. If if the listeners couldn't tell in just that last thirty seconds, but do we not just think he's having to do this? Otherwise, he's going to look like a bit of a a, a willy. Well, no. as Callum said, he's not. He's in his own head. He's not got a teammate. He's going to get in his head for him. Bottas isn't like that. Bottas doesn't play mind games and. To be or quite finish frank, very high up. Yeah. yeah, Bottas isn't really a contender for the championship or really fighting with Lewis. He's not so. a Rosberg. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He's not a Rosberg. But yeah, I think he's too much in his own head. And I think I think we're going to keep seeing these mistakes. As long as Red Bull are out in front and are dominating the race, I think we're going to continue to see Lewis making slight errors and complaining a lot more. Uh, Cal, what do you think? Because w- what I will say is you're only going to make mistakes if you're under pressure, right? We've we've just summarised that. So that means Lewis is giving everything to try and stay in this competition. Uh, Cal, Cal, what would your response be to that? No, no, I don't agree with that. I think he's making mistakes because he's not winning and he, he he's not used to that. And I think 
In terms of the sportsmanship, I think that's genuine because not many racers have come along and actually competed with him, gotten the better of him consistently. And I'd say, you know, the first eight rounds of the season, Max has consistently given him a headache and not many drivers can say they've done that to Lewis Hamilton. So I think Lewis is genuinely looking at him with respect, genuinely admiring him. And I think he sees him as the next big thing in Formula One. And Lewis is, what, 35, 36? He, he knows his time is limited and he's got to respect, he's got to go out on a high, he's got to go out looking like a sportsman if he ever wants that legacy. And that's what he's thinking about. I think it's safe to say if there's ever been anyone that we knew from the first race in a car, it was going to be Verstappen that challenged him. I mean, this guy's a gifted, utter legend in the car. Um, but lap 32, he had a BBW issue. Now, um, who would like to explain what that is? I know what it stands for. <laughs> uh, did you hear the commentators going, oh, that is a... <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's what that is then. Yeah, I thought it was something else, personally. Um, who wants to explain what a BBW is? <laughs> I'll take it as I'm the mature one here. <clears throat> it's a break by wire. <laughs> it's a break by wire issue. If you've been on other websites in the past, you may see it as something else. But it is BBW in Formula One is break by wire. No, he had the issue a couple of times actually during the race, not just on lap 32. And Max came over the radio, sounded like a scared child who'd lost his mum in Asda or somewhere like that. Um, he wasn't happy when that was happening he was really thinking god race over and i was thinking god it's race over i was nearly crying too that's because of his history in austria right he's had so many retirements there when he's been doing well but uh, a bbw issue right um what he said <laughs> what he said was it's bbw has failed right and to me that meant race over but he didn't he, he lost half a second maybe um, not really a massive problem, this BBW, is it? Was that he probably thought that with this issue, Hamilton would be able to catch him because half a second in the life of a Formula One driver is absolutely everything. It's make or break, it's win or lose a race. So possibly with this issue, he, he would have thought that, um, you know, Hamilton would have caught him and possibly won the race. Okay, so so then uh, lap 42 was what I referred to earlier where Leclerc um, overtook Raikkonen, but again, misjudged it. He took he clipped his front wing off, didn't he? Um, what's Leclerc doing? Why is he doing this? M? I have no notes on this. Okay, you don't remember it either. I might, I might have nodded off at this point. <laughs> I vaguely remember it. If you want me to take it, yeah, okay. Let, let's uh, let's let's Cal. What do you think? Can you just do the question again, though? I need to hear the question, and then I'll have an answer. So on on lap forty two, uh, Leclerc overtook Raikkonen, and he clipped the front wing again, very similar to what he did to Gasly at the start, uh, just misjudging when to pull back in. What, what, why is Leclerc doing this? You know, is it inexperience? It shouldn't be that, should it? You know what, mate? When I watched that live. And even now thinking about it, I thought that was Raikkonen. I thought that was his issue, not not Leclerc. Leclerc did the overtake. Raikkonen took back in behind, right? He just misjudged the, the tucking in behind. I thought 
God, Raikkonen is going to take Leclerc out. And that's the way I saw it. I don't think that was Leclerc's fault at mm. all. I, I saw it the other way. I mean, I must be watching it in reverse or something. Uh, that's because you're biased against the driver of the day. What a fantastic <laughs> race. Uh, Michael, whose fault was it? I, sadly, I have to agree with Cal. Okay, right. Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> Emma, help. <laughs> oh, no, you were asleep, weren't you? Uh <laughs> I was asleep, yeah. At this yeah. point, I had a small nap. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so maybe it wasn't his fault, but he had another coming together. So it was, I think we can round up here, really. Lap 70, Hamilton goes into the pit, basically said, all right, game over, let's get the fastest lap. And he did. Um, there's one driver that has not been mentioned throughout this, who we would normally talk about. And that is Valtteri Bottas. Uh, what was he doing throughout this race? He actually finished on the podium. Uh, we haven't even mentioned him. Cal? Well, yeah, firstly, uh, I'd like to, on behalf of Dan, say that Bottas had an amazing race. He was so amazing and he was amazing all the way through and he's amazing. Um, now, my point of view, um, <laughs> he did everything he needed. <laughs> he did everything he could have done. He did everything he needed to do. Um, and is it sorry, Cal, is it is he gonna be world champion this year? No, is he fuck? Oh, no. I thought you were actually pretending to be Dan here. No, no, no. That that, that ended about fifteen seconds ago. <laughs> is he fuck? <laughs> no way. Anywho, during the race, Perez went for a two stop to try and um catch him up and overtake him towards the end. Sort of like Verstappen did to Hamilton in France. Um, but unfortunately for Perez, he was just a two or three laps too late to, to get that done. And Bottas just held on with tyres, I must say, that were very old, very worn. He kept it on the track and he did what he needed to do. He deserved third place, so well done to Bottas. Perez actually said in the uh, in the interview afterwards, two more corners and he would have got him. Christian Horner said, ah. but um, yeah, if they pitted him one lap earlier, he, he probably would have had that position. But Bottas on the podium... He, if we look at it, it was Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas. That's exactly what Mercedes needed. That's what we've been banging on about all season. Um, Perez didn't get past. Could he have got past if he stayed out? Does anyone think that was a that was a possibility, Emma? It's a possibility. I mean, Perez is like a master at managing his tyres, better than anyone else on the field. So I think it is a it is definitely a possibility. If they kept him out, they could have he could have passed Bottas. Mm. Okay, so we had uh, Norris finish P5, Sainz in P6, which, again, we haven't really spoken about him, but it was a masterclass of overtaking from the Ferraris on Sunday. Um, behind him, we had uh, Charles Leclerc. Lance Stroll, P8, one position above his qualifying. Alonso, P9, uh, one below his qualifying. And um, Yuki Tsunoda finished in P10. Is that his best result of the year? Does anyone know? It feels like it. It's up there, isn't it? I think he had a pretty steady weekend, to be fair, to Yuki. He didn't bin it in qualifying, so that's always a plus. And, you know, he kept it together during the race, so fair play to him. He's, I think he's finally maturing. It wouldn't be the Cut to the Race podcast if we didn't just um, comment on Mazepin finishing the race. Uh, well done, congratulations. Um, but finishing last on track, uh, he finished in P18, as we said, Gasly and Russell retired. Um, it was actually Latifi who finished in front of Mazepin and Schumacher who finished in P16. So call that a good result for Hass if you want. I'm not sure. 
can we just touch on the absolute masterstroke that was Gunter Steiner giving Mazepin a spinning top as a gift before the race. I don't know if anyone saw that, but he gave him an Inception-style spinning top before the start of the race. And, and was it Hass's social media who picked up on and played on that, or was it someone else? I did see it on social media. I just can't remember whose it was. Cal? I, I think, to be fair, it, it was, was everyone on social media. Yeah, every, everyone played on it, though, definitely. And the fact that Gunther went, well, now there's two spinning things. It, oh, God. I, I literally cried. It, it made my day, that. Did you not see, the? if you watch the full video, you'll actually see he goes to use it and he can't spin it. They're about the only. I just thing thought that was quite spin. ironic. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go on to our uh, race ratings and drivers of the day. This, of course, is the most exciting part of our podcast, where you find out what we thought. Um, Emma, I'm going to start with you today. Let's go uh, driver of the day, and then your race rating, please. My driver of the day is Max Verstappen. I think that was a commanding race from Max. Absolutely masterclass. But my race rating is unfortunately a three. Oh, that's higher than I expected it. <laughs> well, I was I was going to rate it a one, um, but actually, when you break when you break the race down, yes, it was a boring race. But when you break it down, there was a few little gems in there. Um, so I'm giving it a three. Okay, so we've got a Max Verstappen three. Uh, Michael, I'm going to come to you next. Let's have your driver of the day followed by your race rating. I'm going to go Bottas. Actually, I know. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, what? What? I know. I know. But he did. Well, how much has exactly... Dan paid you? Yeah, Dan's paid him. Go on, seriously. How much has he paid you? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> really? <laughs> at least, at least he paid you though. He did. Like, you're yeah. selling yeah. your soul here. This is ridiculous. Yeah, man, be I honest. You were the I haven't got one. You that happened ages ago. <laughs> that went ages ago. <laughs> um. I just think it's the first time that he has actually played the right role in Mercedes. I think that, for me, he... First time this season, sorry, he's actually done what he needed to do for Mercedes. And that, for me, I, I just don't think there was anything else out there on the field that day that could have given anyone else the driver of the day. Okay. And your race rating, sir? I'm going to go with Emma on a three. A steady three. Yeah. In terms of how we've rated races in the last year or so that we're doing this podcast, three is awful, just for the listeners to, to, to understand. That is like, don't even bother watching it level. Um, Cal, over to you. Who is your driver of the day and your race rating? Max Verstappen. All day. Commanding, commanding, commanding. He was sensational. And the little burnout at the end on the start-finish line when he won. So Which was illegal. Why not? Yeah, but, you know, he bad got man. away with it. Yeah, bad man. Why not, mate? Um, the race rating, I'm going to give a 2 out of 10. It was... I, I don't know how I didn't fall asleep. Maybe because I had a nap before the race, thinking it was going to be exciting. Mate, it was, it was so hard to watch. Hopefully next week with the softer tyres... It spices things up a little bit. If not, Austria will be officially out of my top three circuits on the calendar. Yeah, it'll be out of your time machine and all. Um, <clears throat> okay, I guess that's me left. I haven't actually thought about it until um, until just a moment ago. 
Oh, God. Okay, uh, Max Verstappen was my driver of the day. He did what he needed to do. He didn't make any mistakes. He just delivered. And my race rating was a two before we started this podcast. But due to the great conversation we've had over the last 45 minutes, hour, it has gone to a 2.5. So there we go. Um, Emma, we've got a little feature coming up next. Would you like to uh, tell us what's, what's on the way just after this break? We're going to be discussing a new female championship. When I say new, it's actually returning to our screens. It is Formula Woman. Okay, and uh, just just as a just as a quick intro, how does Formula Women um, differ from W Series, which is a, 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 a women's formula? So W Series is for established female drivers who have had a career in karting and other forms of motorsport. Formula Women is for anyone, anyone who's a woman. You could just be, you could be a school teacher, you could be me, you know, retail manager. You don't have to have any driving experience. You can literally just be a normal woman from the street, literally just walk in and you can test out a car and see if you've got any raw talent. We will get into this interview after the break where we speak to some of the recent applicants for Formula Women. Don't go anywhere. So thank you for joining me on our Formula Nerds Cut to the Race podcast. So today I'm joined by three women who all have something pretty special in common. They are all Formula women. So thank you for joining me. Uh, We have Sana, Nikki and Hayley and they're all from uh, different parts of the world. So do you want to just say hello to our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourselves? Hi everyone. (laughs) Um, oh, shall I go first? I don't know. Yeah, you can go first, yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm Sana Siddiqui. Um, I am based in southwest London, United Kingdom. Um, I'm 36 years old. Um, I've got my own cosmetics business, and I'm just so interested in racing and motorsports, cars in general. I just love them. So, hi. <laughs> Amazing. And we have Nikki with us as well. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, my name is Nikki and um, I work as a presenter, actually. And I came across the Formula Woman information on Instagram of all places, terribly modern. And I thought, fancy a bit of that. So I went onto the website, loved what I read applied and then after that very cheekily sent them an email and just said look I work as a presenter I want to get into motorsport first and foremost to compete as a racing driver I've never done anything by the way I'm a total novice I just like driving fast but I'd like to get into motorsport as a presenter so if you need anybody give me a shout and Graham who um, you know is in charge of the whole concept said well I do like cheeky people right place right time so I've basically piggybacked it I've been doing all the behind the scenes stuff as well so it's been incredible i've gotten to uh, drive a racing sim that was the first time i've ever done that and i met sana actually i haven't met hayley because hayley's in florida who we'll meet in a minute but i met sana the other week at supercar fest and already we've got this fantastic community of women that are passionate about motorsport and from all different walks of life which i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later but that's me i'm cheeky and i like driving fast but i have no experience so it's going to be fun 
that's the that absolute unique thing about Formula Women is that you don't need to have any experience driving fast cars. You can literally just jump into it and see if you've got a hidden talent. Isn't that right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got a few points on the license, which I probably shouldn't admit to. Um, it will just be an incredible journey anyway. The passion and the little community that we've built already from the ladies that we've either met in person or on social media. Honestly, if you're listening and thinking, is this for me? It absolutely is. You're going to make friends for life. It's such a great buzz, isn't it, Sarah? I know absolutely. you believe that. And hopefully, Hay hopefully Hayley agrees as well. We'll find out in a minute because uh, you're in America. Right. Um, so I'm in Florida, Sarasota right now, and I'm an entrepreneur. So I kind of done a lot with uh, healthcare and I'm trying to merge it with motorsports. So I started a company called uh, On Track Healing. So that's where I go trackside and work with drivers and teams. And I'll do like the recovery services. So like massage, you know, using massage guns, stretching, like helping out whatever the team needs. So Wow. Yeah, I actually just got back from Indianapolis a week ago and I did the Indy 500 and I worked with the all-female motorsport Peretta IndyCar team. So that was super wow. exciting for me. That's yeah, it was awesome. like, just like Nikki said, like perfect timing. Like I'd met her on a Zoom call and I was like, who's your physio? And she was like, <laughs> I haven't even thought about that. I was like, me. <laughs> so it worked out really well. So I'm hoping that this segues into, you know, work and hopefully some racing time for myself. So none of you have any sort of experience in, in sort of motorsport and you all came across Formula Women and decided to apply. So tell me a bit about Formula Women. What is it and what does it aim to achieve? Do you want me to do that? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, well, Formula Woman essentially is um, the whole experience is, as you said at the top, you don't have to have any racing experience. It's for women, obviously, including the title. Um, as long as you've got a driver's license and a passion for cars, motorsport, uh, that's pretty much all you need to take part. So it is a very unique experience. When would you ever get the chance to do this? You go through all of the training regimes that a racing driver would. Um, in the first instance, that's online. Uh, then you get to go to racing scene. Then you go to track assessment days. But like Hayley said there, there's so much more to it than just actually getting in the car. So it'd be things like mindset training, um, finding out about the industry and all the other jobs that you can get involved in. Maybe you won't make it to the end. Perhaps you're going to be dreadful behind the wheel. I'm hoping I'm not going to, but there is a distinct possibility. However, there's so many other roles that you could be getting involved in and just the community and the buzz um, is incredible. So if you listen and you want to get involved, go to formulawoman.com. It's super simple to apply. It'll cost you £99. And it's basically your golden ticket into the world of motorsport. If you've always watched from the sidelines, maybe you just watch it on the telly at home. Maybe you've never looked at it before, but you just want a new passion because let's be honest, the last year has been really boring. Um, it's for you. Have a look. And uh, honestly, I promise you, you won't look back. I mean, it hasn't even really got started yet. And I know we're already having loads of fun. And in a nutshell, that's what it is. But you might be the champion racing driver. You just never know. You never know. And the prize is pretty, pretty exciting. Do you want to tell us about what the what the winners um, of, of Formula Women get to go on and do? Well, they'll race in the 2022 GT Cup for McLaren. I mean, this is like pinch me types. That's the kind of thing you'd wake up the next morning and say, I've had this really crazy dream that I drove for McLaren in the GT Cup. Well, actually, 
it could be a reality. But it, it really is. It sounds like bonkers, doesn't it? But somebody today might be sat at home watching the telly, doing something quite mundane and boring, wishing they had some excitement in their life. Well, they could do it. could be them next year winning. So it's, yeah, it is. It's phenomenal. I mean, even just getting to sit in one of those, which we will all get to do at some point, is just crackers. I can't believe it. It's amazing. So what has sort yeah. of inspired you all to, to apply for it? Um, so I know, like I saw there was a W series engineer, um, that applied to, but it's kind of just like for anybody. So I was inspired because it's like, I've spent so much time in my passion, like helping other people and learning all I needed to do to get my two college degrees, plus some other certifications that I never put my racing goals at like the forefront of what I was doing. So I'm like, this opportunity came up and I'm like, you know, I've, I've dabbled in like car control classes, like autocross, but I mean, that's just like 30 seconds of taking your daily driver through cones. So I've never been on track. So I'm super excited. And that's like why I applied just so I can see if I have any natural skills on track. You may actually be so surprised that you, you, you know, you sometimes think when you're, when you're out driving your own car, yeah, I could drive like Lewis yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then you I know. Actually, that you get into this car and you think, actually, I actually I'm quite good. Yeah, I hope so. That's the that's the goal. I got on a racing simulator like Nikki, and I haven't gotten gotten like Donington or Silverstone or anything yet. But I'm gonna try to get on those tracks and practice it and see if I can like get up to any fast speeds or anything without like completely plowing off the track. <laughs> Sana, what inspired you to apply for Formula Women? Well, it's basically, I've always, like I said, been into cars and racing and I've done uh, some drag racing before with my cars and it's pretty simple. You just go in a straight line, but to learn how to race on a track and to become a racing driver, it takes so much more. You need to learn skills. You need to learn how to handle your cars and getting that right training from the correct people. So we've got Mr. Graham Blue, who is, you know, from Formula One and he's already, you know, he's the founder of Formula Woman. So he is literally the perfect person to guide. And, you know, obviously we'll have our, uh, the training people in, um, in helping us, but that's what it's about. It's like, you have to take that step. You have to take the opportunity. And I felt that I wanted to do that. I'm sure all the ladies that have participated in this have, you know, they all want to do this and it is an opportunity of a lifetime because you won't know unless you try. And it's, it's just come at the right time straight after lockdown. <laughs> so Nikki, tell me how the, um, all the assessments will work. Um, I understand there's like some online tutorials, there's on track assessment days. So what kind of structure is, is the championship going to take? Um, well, I, I, there will be some tweaks and changes. Unfortunately, we're still in that sort of limbo period aren't we, where things are changing all the time. But the first thing that you'll do, and it was released last week, um, is the online tutorial where basically um, you'll go on to there. You can do it at your own time. So if you need to dip in and out, that's fine. Uh, it takes about an hour of your time, but you get to watch a series of videos and there's uh, various explanations of things you need to know, like understeer, oversteer, how to brake, how to accelerate, etc. Um, and if you do that, you'll 
get to see me in the simulator. It was very strange because I had to complete it and I was teaching myself and, you know, I still had to make notes. Um, so there is a lot to take in. Um, and then come September, um, I think there's a few events in between, but come September is when there'll actually be the first assessment days. And that's when the first batch of ladies will actually get to go into a car. And then in terms of timescales, it will depend on how many people enter, etc. And as I say, restrictions being lifted. But um, yeah, it will be all systems go from then, really. And it will be a case of um, very, I mean, it's not going to take over your life. So does anybody think it, but I can't because I've got a full-time job and I've got a family and I've got, it will fit in around that. Obviously, if you get to the latter stages, so if you're getting down to like the final 60 where you're actually going to go and race um, and there's lots of other exciting things, some of them I can't actually talk about because I know they're not signed, sealed and delivered, but it's very exciting. If you get to that stage, then, you know, understandably, there probably will be a little bit more time commitment required from you. But at this stage, it's certainly something that you can manage around what you're doing so it's online followed by some track assessments um and then there's various meetups as well so there's events as well that we'll all be going to i've got some of them written down here because i've got my head so full of information because uh, i'm consulting with grain on helping all sorts i did some uh, videos before for social media for formula woman india so this is not just in the uk it's not just america there's applicants from all around the world this is an international competition but more than that it's a community of women that have all joined for different reasons. I mean, some of the girls mentioned that I met some of the ladies a few weeks ago. Some of them have come out of relationships and wanting to find themselves again. Some of them are mums. I've got a young boy. I think that was probably a bit of a catalyst for me. I want to see him do his mum doing cool stuff. I want him to think I'm a badass. I want to feel like a woman again, not just a mum. So, you know, and there's also some sad stories as well of why people are doing it. It's just doing something for yourself, getting your mojo and... Yeah, I just think, you know, women are great and we're great as a collective and everybody's been really, really supportive, but we know that the motorsport world needs more women. So, yeah, it's just, it's fab. It's a combination of online, in, in you know, face-to-face -face events and newsletters as well. There's newsletters in between that keep you kind of very much part of it. But that was a very long answer to your question, Emma, there. But essentially, <laughs> hopefully, you got the gist of what's going on. There's plenty to be doing. We'll be going in simulators at some stage, ISO, where I did the training. Um, but I think the logistics of things are still being worked out because of the restrictions we've got, because we've got women from all over the world. Um, and it's just a case of managing that. But it's it's just a fab opportunity, as you can tell, because I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you actually touched on a really good point there, Nikki, like the fact that this is helping to get more women into motorsport you know a Absolutely. lot of, a lot of the um, the championships the different formulas that we watch are are dominated by men and then we've had the introduction of w series uh which has helped uh, become a platform for women who are already quite experienced in motorsport but it gives them a platform to showcase their talent at a higher level but what formula women is doing is becoming a platform for women who want to get into the industry who have literally no experience and are from all different walks of life so i mean it's quite easy to compare formula women to to w series but i think they couldn't be more different in the sense that formula women is for normal women who literally just want to get in a car and drive wouldn't you agree 
absolutely. absolutely. A, lot of, uh, a lot of women, they don't know where to start. Even you can be 17 plus and you don't know where to start to get into this motorsport. So this is an amazing amazing opportunity for you to actually enter that door and start start the journey of a lifetime because it's even going to be probably beyond after whoever becomes the formula woman after that all the talented ladies that have you know made it up to there and have participated who knows they could get recognized and it can just go beyond that so it's an amazing opportunity so what are you all looking to get out of the experience? So even if you're not able to make it into the, the finals, can you not hear me? Oh, you can hear me now. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> We're all being good then, trying not to talk, weren't we? We're doing sign language. When I I send this to Ollie, I bet you he will send me a message and he'll just say, you are rubbish at hosting podcasts. (laughs) Is somebody going to edit it then? Yeah. I was hoping that they were going to come and hang out and ask us like your infamous question about Uh, the time machine. (laughs) The time machine. Oh. Yes. You know what? You should should ask it. Take his job. Do you know what? I think I might. I might actually tag that on at the end. Um, yes, so let's do it. Question that I had was, um, what are you all looking to to get out of the whole experience? Even if you don't make it to, to become one of the finalists, what are you wanting to take away from the whole experience of being a Formula Woman? Just to learn and develop and improve on our skills. Um, so even in everyday normal driving, um, just to improve and make us more alert. And like, for example, I think um, this was when Nikki was on the tutorial, um, the online tutorial when she was on iZone and the gentleman next to her said that even if like on normal driving, you aquaplane, for example, you know how to handle. So it's it's just literally developing your driving skills after this competition as well and yeah it's just amazing to learn it amazing i think i I think it's gonna i think it's gonna help me like put together like you know the order of a track day and like everything you need to have organized for yourself so that if i were to just like hey i have a free weekend um i just will know how to like look up the racing series around me and like see if i can team up with people or like you know look at Skip Barber did my racing assessment or whoever's going to be doing our assessments here in the U.S. any of those racing schools and just be like, hey, look at I'm not so shabby. Like, and I can either do it for myself or just show people that like, hey, I didn't wreck this car and I do have some skills and I'd love to learn more with other people. So I think it'll be a good learning experience and kind of just like whole confidence boost to just know how to organize myself and getting on track. So amazing what about you nikki um i think just the whole experience really of learning to be a racing driver i mean it literally is something i never thought i'd get the chance to do my wildest dreams um it came at the right time and it really sort of caught my interest because that first and foremost i love driving fast but obviously we are limited as to what we can drive on the road um sadly so i thought it would be a good chance to see what i've got you know in the tank but also as a presenter i work my my day job is i work predominantly in technology and i've always wanted to do more sport i started off doing sport back in the day and then 
you fall into and get known for doing certain things. I just thought the last year or so being kind of very restricted what we do, I want to get into a new area. The principles of what I do, you can really apply to anything. I bloody love to do motorsports. Sorry, I hope I can say that. Um, and then this pops up and I thought, I'm in it for the driving experience, but I also think understanding it from the inside would be really advantageous if there were any opportunities in the future. I would love to get into motorsport. I think that it's crying out for more women. There's some fantastic women in motorsport as you mentioned earlier um you know Natalie Pinkham Jenny Gow there's loads of them carving the way but I think we could do with more I definitely think we could do with more so if anybody's listening and needs a female motorsport presenter it could be me once I've done the journey um unless of course I'm competing in the GC Cup next year unfortunately I'm busy <laughs> but I think as well Hayley said as well I think just a confidence boost for everybody after this year that we've had a we'll go too into my personally but I've had a relationship breakdown I've got a small boy you know I'm juggling lots of things and you very often forget yourself and I just think having that challenge a challenge of something to do for you um and it's all the things that come with it you know you've got to be on top of your fitness so there's no excuses to be made anymore your mindset the whole everything that comes with it is just hugely exciting to me so I will ask the motorsport time machine question I, I'm sure the guys will absolutely love to have to have this the podcast because we ask every guest that's on our podcast this question. So we have a motorsport time machine on our podcast and we ask every guest if you could go back in time to any era of motorsport in any form of motorsport. So it could be Formula One, it could be DTM, it could be Le Mans, anything you want. And you could have any job. Oh, you could be a driver, any job. you could be a journalist, you could be a presenter. Which era would you go back to? And it which, you know, is it a, spe a specific time that you would go back to? Like, for example, I would love to interview Ayrton Senna when he won his first world championship Amazing. in Formula One. So that's that was that was my my answer to that question. So um, we'll start with uh, start with you, Haley. So I debated a little bit about this, but never the position. So I knew I would always want to be the driver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, of course. <laughs> and then it would be Formula One. But I didn't know if I wanted to go back to like 1958 when like uh, Maria Teresa de Filippis like started a few races or I would probably go back to 1975 like, because that's when Layla Lombardi like actually made like the whole roster and she had like set, uh, 12 starts and 17 like I don't know qualifications or something and she raced for like Williams Ram in March and like the other cool drivers that were racing at that time were like Emerson Fittipaldi, Nicky Lauda, James Hunt, Carlos Pace and like Mario Andretti so just like I don't know I think that'd be so cool just to be like one of the first that actually like made the records motorsport records and just like to be the driver but I mean I was thinking I don't know if anyone would fast forward to because then I'd be like well I'd totally fast forward to like 2022 when we had like hopefully a W series driver bump up to Formula One I think they should totally give one of those women the opportunity <laughs> and then I would be the driver too <laughs> that's, that's actually a really really good show to be able to fast forward in time to see another female race right. in formula one that's yeah that's such just because like 
yeah, I just saw the Peretta thing at IndyCar 500 and like the crowd wasn't louder for anyone other than Simona de Silvestro. Everyone was cheering for her and it's like, it's so cool. So to see that change come about in Formula One, like that's just got to be amazing to either be like the first one that was making records and points or to see that coming up real soon. Because I think that was honestly the whole point of W Series or Formula Woman or even Peretta Autosport, the funnels into just making it the best of the best racing against each other. So I don't know. Amazing. Yeah. What about you, Ricky? Well, I wasn't prepared for this question at all. I mean, Hayley's really put me to the tell there. But um, I'm a big Formula One fan, and you mentioned the names there. But I'm fascinated by the whole Nicky Lauder and James Hunt rivalry or, you know, rumoured rivalry of the 70s. I'd maybe love to go back and be a fly on the wall. Maybe one of the news reporters actually find out, you know, what did happen. Um, when I was researching for something in the past, you know, I watched all of the documentaries, the films that were made about it. Um, and I actually really like the relationship that they had. They seem to be like this mutual respect despite this rivalry which I think was sometimes hammed up I'd like to just yeah I'm, a, I'm nosy um, I'm a bit of a news hound and I'd really like to have gotten some sort of great scoop with them maybe followed them around for a bit and actually found out what did go on um, but yeah I think the 70s was like a really cool sort of sexy time <laughs> in the world anyway wasn't it and you know I mean Formula One is amazing now and obviously all the safety standards and everything they've brought in but back then I mean when you, you look at what they were driving and just, you know, the differences back then. I just, yeah, I just think it would be really cool and rock and roll. So I think I'd go and hang around with Nicky Lauder and James Hunt in the 70s if I can, please. We <laughs> I should have said something about women, I know, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. Lots of women. There actually was lots of women who also did do that with James Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, when we interviewed Louise Goodman, she actually said that she wanted to go back and party with James Hunt, and we thought, oh, here we go. Nineteen seventy-five, it'd be more fun, like less rules, like people were all in the hippie phase, and it would just be a blast. And then exactly. you would be like making motorsport history too. So I was like, that's probably pretty good. But then it's like yeah. you're so torn because it's like being around Senna and Prost, like, and all those like other ones in the 70s and like later on it's like I don't know it's hard to decide it's really <laughs> I've thought about it a lot when I listen to your podcast so I was like hmm. <laughs> so what about, what about you Sana where would where would you go back in time to so I have actually thought about this question um I think I would have most likely gone back to 2004 relating back to Formula Woman when the first Formula Woman started, when it was going through that, you know, the the, the rare and the original, you know, development stages. And pretty much I would love to have been either a coach or something uh, working with Natasha Furman to see where her natural abilities, how they were developing, and just to see her up on stage winning that championship. So... Yeah, I think I would have gone back to 2004. Wow, we've got some really interesting answers from all of you. But uh, yeah, thank you. So that's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the interview as well. Um, hopefully we're going to have a more exciting Austrian Grand Prix. Um, what's it What's it called this week? Is it the Austrian Grand Prix now? It's 
what is it? Yeah, it is officially hashtag Austrian GP. Right, and for our for our listeners who don't know that much about F one, it's at the same place. It's just a different name. Um, but I'd like to thank my panel today. Um, Emma, thank you so much. And we, we really enjoyed that interview. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. It, do you know, it was really lovely just talking to those three women and getting to know them. And I'm excited to follow them and see their journey through Formula Women. Awesome. Um, thank you very much, Michael, for coming on the show. No problems at all. I enjoyed uh, rushing to get here to make this podcast. Shame you didn't enjoy the race we reviewed, but maybe next week. Uh, and Cal, thank you very much, sir. No worries at all. Um, yeah, if you're missing out on any news or anything like that, we do have a second podcast now, which is dedicated to news, and our news writers are all on there. I think we're going to have three at a time. The first one was out last week. It was amazing. Give it a listen. It's going to be out midweek every single week. And this oh, week, then... Bye. Oh, bye. Oh, bye. And, and sorry, this week they're actually going to do a preview for the Austrian Grand Prix as well, tell you all the things that you need to know ahead of it, which will be interesting. So hopefully by the time we do our review, we know what we're meant to be talking about by the time we get to it, because we've listened to that one. Um, but don't forget to check out FormulaNerds.com. That's where you get all your news, all of our socials, and all of that, all of that stuff you already know. Give us five stars on iTunes, leave us a comment. Lovely jubbly. We will see you next week. Bye, guys. Podcast Network.